Imagine if your customers and clients kept saying, shut up and take my money. That's what you can achieve with great email marketing. Hi, I'm Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and today I'm speaking with Kyle Stout, who is the founder of Elevate and Scale, which is a leading marketing agency or email marketing agency that helps direct to consumer brands unlock hidden revenues and put their sales on autopilot while spending zero dollars in ad spend. Kyle is an expert on leveraging email marketing to maximize revenue by improving customer retention, increasing average order value, and driving repeat purchases. Kyle has over a decade of experience in digital marketing, starting as a freelancer in copywriting and then moving into brand and storytelling and then email marketing. And he's developed a set of frameworks that works consistently across different niches and he started Elevate and Scale and specializing in email marketing for e-commerce businesses. In this podcast episode, Kyle and I talk about the best type of opt-ins that you should be using for your business, whether you're owning a content site, SaaS membership business or an e-commerce business, the best type of opt-ins you should be using and what sort of value you should be creating for those people that are opting in for your free offer. We also talk about how to email people as soon as they get on your list, what to email them, how to sell to them early and still add value at the same time. We talk about branding, we talk about storytelling, we talk about why it's critical for you to understand your buyer's journey and the different phases they may be in, how to segment them in through different lists and how to write the best copy in your emails that generates connection, trust and sales. We also talk about how many emails you should be sending to your list, why Kyle believes that trying to optimize for your subject line isn't the best use of your time. Uh, in fact, he doesn't believe that the subject line is as important as most people believe it is. We also talk about what types of campaigns you should be running, why you should be running those types of campaigns. And we also talk about how to increase your customer lifetime value, how to increase customer retention, and how to make your customers and your clients' lives better just through email marketing. There's so much value in this podcast episode. I'm sure you're going to love it. I absolutely did. Go away and enjoy. Do you have a website you might want to sell either now or in the future? We have a hungry list of cashed up and trained up buyers that want to buy your content website. If you have a site making over $300 per month and want to sell it, head to buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash sell your business or email us at info at buyingonlinebusinesses.com because we will likely have a buyer. Details are in the description. Kyle, hello, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. Uh, everybody that listens to the podcast and knows my stuff knows that I love email marketing and you're a gun at this. You've gotten people so many great results, hence why I wanted you to come on. We're going to be talking a lot about in this episode about how to monetize or make more revenue through our email marketing. But first, obviously, we need to get people on our email list. Is there a certain type of resource or lead magnet that you've seen has worked well for specific types of businesses? Yeah, so it's it's you can do pretty much any of them for any type of business. But for example, um, with e-commerce, I find that the more traditional lead magnets that you might use with a content site um, or with a business-to-business service don't really do as well unless you 
maybe have a big social following tied to that business and people are really interested in learning more with e-commerce i like to use uh, either coupons i mean that's really common just giving a giving away or promising a free coupon code something like that mm. maybe using a quiz where now you are going to be delivering recommendations of which products to get based on those quiz results something like that and then for more content driven sites um lead magnets are still great but i find that nowadays you really want to have it be pretty specific so you don't need to create these really comprehensive you know long detailed guides because a lot of times people are just kind of intimidated by even going through such a thing and people don't really read as much as they used to so i actually like to i, I do see pdf still working well but i like to do like short video training and you can you can do webinar style or what I usually do is just call it like an on-demand training where it's pre-recorded and they get free access to that. And then maybe there's a PDF that's associated with that, or maybe it's, you know, vice versa where they get the PDF and then they're getting a free bonus video training with the PDF because mm. people are more likely to go through video now than they are to uh, really read a long in-depth document at this point. I love it. I love it. In fact, I'm going to plug my resource that just goes gangbusters because it's exactly what you said. It's a PDF. It's a tool. It's a due diligence tool that actually helps people to, it takes the guesswork out of buying a business and it asks certain questions they need to ask about the business to get certain data sets to understand the business more, to be empowered to either buy the business or walk away. I give them that as a tool in a PDF version and they can go away and plug it into their own you know, Word doc or whatever it is. And then I also record a training. It's it's uh, about a twenty minute training, video training on how to use it, and that's people say that's the most valuable piece. So I think people forget nowadays how important it is to add value through your resource. Think people's most got like people have the goal of I want to get people on my email list, and they think I just need something to get them on there. Anything will do, and in fact. This is really, I feel it sets the tone, the value that you create in that resource sets the tone of what they're going to get from you in the future from all of your content, but also all of your emails. And I think that's so vital, right? Like I think it's sort of, it sets a good first impression when you're meeting somebody. What do you have to say to that? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Um, the days of just having something and, and kind of like checking off the box that, okay, now I've got my lead magnet done. It's just not enough anymore. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. 10 years ago when these things were a little bit more novel, you, yeah, you could get away with not putting in as much effort, but nowadays there's just so much information there's, and there's also just so much competing for our attention when we're online in general, anyways, that mm -hmm. the standard of quality is definitely, or the expectation for what is considered quality or quote unquote value is higher now. And I, I love how you have the video component with your PDF because you know you understand that a lot better than the person who's totally new to buying a business does. And so even though you might have this really thoughtful, you know, super user-friendly PDF, having the video that walks them through it and, and kind of shows them the how along with the what just adds extra value, like you said, and gives a, it's just differentiates you from the other people who have some sort of other similar free resource, because it shows that you're willing to take the extra step to like, you know, I'm not just giving this to you because I have something to offer you. It's like, I want to make sure you actually get the value out of it so you can move forward. And then ultimately that's going to, you know, make it more likely where they would work with you in the future. And so it's just a win-win for everyone. Yeah. 
the crummy short form ebooks that nobody reads that are full of fluff are no longer cutting it because people quickly found out that they're not that valuable. <laughs> no, it has to be, if it's going to be short, it has to be very specific and it has to be a quick win. So like a checklist, um, but like, you know, an actual, like a, like a useful checklist, right? So you're, I'm not sure what your lead magnet is, but I imagine it, it kind of becomes, a, I don't know if you would even call it a checklist, but it's like a, a set of parameters that once they get used to it, they're, they're just going to be repeating that formula over and over. So, yeah. you know, I wouldn't imagine you need, I mean, I, again, I don't even know how long it is, but I wouldn't imagine it needs to be this huge guide, but it's more about the fact that they're getting such a, that they're, they can immediately put it into action. So if it's just like quick little fluff piece, like you said, but there's no action to take or nothing that where they actually see any kind of noticeable result from having gone through it, then it's just so, you know, pretty much a waste of time. I've actually toyed with p pulling down my free resource. My It's my due diligence framework that I use and all my clients use, and it's helped people save millions of dollars and make millions of dollars. I've actually toyed with pulling it down because it is so valuable that I'm like, well, maybe I should be charging, charging for this. And also people go away and use it and they get results without jumping in and, and joining my community. And that's cool. It's great. They can get results, but a lot of people do get burned and they, they need a component of the support when they're buying a business. But you can, it's, it's one of those tools that you can go away and you can take and you can use it on your own and you don't necessarily, I say everybody should have somebody looking at a business before they buy it, somebody experienced, so they mm -hmm. don't buy a lemon, but you could go away and buy a business by yourself. That's how that's how good a piece of value it is in, in something that's just so simple and short. And I think that's why it goes gangbusters and that's why people stay on my email list and people will talk about my email marketing. People will love it uh, and, and reply to my emails and all that sort of stuff. That's that's why I got you on here is because I just always want to improve my email marketing, learn from you, but I also want others to like listen into our conversation because there's so much value that's going to come from this. So once we get people on our list and we know it's like a piece of value that's going to just knock their socks off, like they're not expecting it to be that good because most of the time when you get some free resources, like, oh, yeah, I'll just check my inbox and I'll probably never use it. If it's something that's so damn valuable, and they, they're on, what do we do next once somebody joins our email list? Because I know there's, myself, I know there's some very important steps, but I want to hear what you have to say around this. Like what, what steps do we take once we get them on the email list and harness them and facilitate them to enjoy being on our email list? Okay. So there's, I would say there's a short-term and a long-term component to this. So let's just say, uh, you know, you are evaluating an online business to buy, or maybe you've recently acquired one. One of the biggest low-hanging fruit opportunities that's oftentimes there is that they don't really have much email automation set up. So mm -hmm. I always I call this optimizing your sales process. So and it's going to be different for whatever business type we're talking about here. Um, but you can just think of that as the step-by-step -step process that someone takes from being a stranger to being a customer. So um, you know, for you. It might be, I'm not sure if they have to like hop on a sales call at some point before, you know, they get, they download the resource. Maybe they get some emails from you. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a sales call or you have a sales page where people can just sign up directly. But for example, with an e-commerce business, it's, it's super straightforward. It's, they land on your site, they go to the product page, they add it to cart, they start the checkout, they complete their checkout. 
And you can have automations in between every single one of those steps in your sales process. And so for, um, you know, a SaaS business, a lot of times it's, they land on the site, they sign up for a free trial, and then there's a, a trial period. And a lot of times that the, the step in between there is you're really trying to get them to learn and how and to effectively use the software so that that way they actually like it. And then when the trial's up, they don't want to lose it. Um, and then of course you have the sign up period. So whatever it is for your business, you want to create automated follow-up in between those steps, because now that's just, you're building a machine that's going to do marketing for you. That's just going to increase your sales at every step of the sales process. But that's, you know, once you get that set up now, that's, that's pretty much it, but not everyone's going to convert immediately in those initial emails. And that's where the ongoing email marketing comes. And that's where you want to do a combination over time of nurturing and selling. So, and depending on what type of business it is, there's going to be more education and more nurturing for some businesses than for others. You know, in e-com, it does tend to be, uh, I would say that there's almost always going to be a call to action to buy a product. Whereas if you're selling a service, there's usually going to be a lot more continued nurturing and maybe being less direct with, uh, with sales. And so it really just comes down to what I call it as having a conversation starter. So just having an, having some kind of angle for the emails to show up that way, you're not just showing up being, you know, being promotional without at least giving people a good experience when they get the email. That's awesome. So people are actually getting value from the emails and there's a call to action. So it's nurturing and sales. I've got a couple of questions around this, the, the nurturing. Mm-hmm. And then also instilling our brand into our emails to make them feel unique and good and different than everybody else's boring emails. What are some of the things that you share with people to make your emails, to, to make our emails as business owners valuable nurturing on brand, but also have that component of like, here's a call to action. Okay. So there's a lot in that question. So I apologize. We might No, no, this is, this is great. So, cause there's this mind, there's this basically a strategy that had existed for a long time. And I think this is the mindset people have is that when I get someone on my list, first, I've got to nurture them for a certain period of time. And during that period of time, I'm not allowed to sell. And then once I've earned their trust, whenever, you know, however we define that, now all of a sudden I'm, I'm allowed to sell. And then that's when people go really hard with sales. And what I try to tell people is you can do both at the same time. So for one, don't be afraid to sell early on. Like if you have something that's valuable and this thing is actually solving a problem for them or it's providing some sort of value in their life. And even if that's entertainment, entertainment is valuable. You know, people think that you have to like, I mean, you don't have to, you know, cure someone of a disease to solve a problem or, you know, solve a pain point. But Part of it is just how you're communicating that to them. So you first have to take a step back if you haven't ever done this and do a little research on your ideal customers. So, you know, people, you can call this buyer persona work or creating a customer Mm -hmm. avatar. There's different terminology. One resource that I highly recommend to people for this is a book called Building a Story Brand. Love it. Yeah. So if you go through, have you ever read that before? No, I haven't. But I I get the concept and I know some other books around this as well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, what I like about this is that what what they have done so well, Donald Miller created this, um, is he has given this framework where if you just follow this framework, you will be implementing a whole bunch of different psychological 
strategies that, you know, copywriters spend years, you know, practicing to get these techniques down. And you'll be doing that without having to go through all that trial and error of learning how to be a copywriter, just because it's very, it's very well thought out this, this, mm. uh, you know, framework, which really, it just starts with telling a story that's focused on your ideal customers instead of on you and your brand. So you're always talking about them and what they care about. You're talking about their worries and their fears and their pains and the current situation they're in and the situation they'd like to be in and what the before and after looks and feels like whenever they buy your products or they work with your service. And by always you know, focusing on them and infusing some of those messaging points in every email, it's valuable because you're talking about the stuff they care about. So it's like, you're not going from this phase of where you're just trying to give, you know, give everything away. And all of a sudden you're just ask, ask, ask. It's a, it's a give and take where every email you're trying to provide at least some sort of insight or some sort of, you know, piece of entertainment, something that makes it worthwhile to open it. And then reminding them that you're available to, take this thing to the next level. Meaning that like, like, for example, you've given them this resource and you probably tell them a lot of what to do. Like you give them, you give them steps on what actions they need to take. But a lot of times with services, we give away the what, but then we sell the how. So it's like, whenever it comes time to sit down and actually do this thing and actually crunch all these numbers and, and get into the weeds and, you know, get into the back end of a business and really uh, you know, look into the, the, uh, all the details of everything and, and make the final decision. And how are you actually going to, you know, onboard and take over from that other owner? That's where it starts to get a little more difficult because it's not going to be the same from business to business. So having a professional to work with you to handle the how is that's a, a great, you know, way to frame how, uh, basically how you deliver your content and when it makes sense to work with you and also why, it makes sense for you to constantly talk about it to them. Mm, mm, yeah. Wow. There's so much in there that I, I want to pick apart. The first one being studying your avatar uh, or studying your ideal client. What people can do that I've noticed is people can, you know, go into forums, go into, go into comments, go to different pieces of content and see the language is actually being used in that niche. Uh, for ourselves, what we do in our business is we actually collect that data from our customers and ask them what they actually want, what's what's holding them back, what they actually want. And we go away and we put that into a document, which is our ideal client document. And we actually have the words that they use and we instill, instill that through all of our copy, not just on our emails, but on our website and everywhere, because we're talking, we're speaking their language. And I feel like when we are connecting with anybody in a certain space, like I'm obsessed with surfing, I know who so I know somebody who is interested in surfing and is in the business of surfing just by speaking to them versus somebody who is faking it or not because I know mm -hmm. the language, right? I've been doing it for my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so that's so important in terms of trust. If somebody was telling me or trying to sell me a surfboard and they were using terminology or lingo and language that is not common in the surf industry, the trust is not there. Right. And they're, I can see that they're trying too hard and they're on the outside and they're caring about their pockets rather than communication, and trust and actually adding value. So I feel that that's a, a really, really big piece. And then when you say you've got that nurturing piece and then you can sell to them at the start as well, I think it's really cool to understand that people have joined your email list at different stages of their journey. Sometimes they join and they're like, I want to buy now. And sometimes it's like, oh, I'm just going to dip my toe in the water. 
have you noticed that some people get frustrated with emails that are just too nurturing at the start and they're just like, where's the product? I want to buy it. Have you seen that? That, that is a big problem is that if you, and it depends what you're selling, because obviously the higher ticket it is, then there is going to be a longer decision process for most people. Mm. Um, but yeah, if you don't, then what happens is another company that is being more persuasive and providing the opportunity to buy upfront will end, end up winning them over. In fact, I've actually been, when, when you ask, like, not only have I seen it happen, but I have been that person myself. I can oh. tell you a story about how um, I was going to sign up for uh, a high ticket you know, coaching program, like a business coaching program. Um, I had talked to these guys in the past. Like I was already, I was already pretty much pre-sold and, you know, I was trying to tell the sales guy, like he was messaging me on Facebook messenger, trying to set up a call and they do this whole thing. Whereas like first they do a really short call, then they do a little bit longer call and they refuse to sell to you on the shorter call. And that's their whole, like, you know, it, they were the ones who kind of perfected that whole thing and put it out to the market. In that time frame, where I'm waiting on the longer call, another like OG marketer in the space came out with this whole with this new program that just completely caught my eye, and I had never you know he had never uh, pitched this before, and actually never has since then either. Um, it was more expensive; it was almost twice as much uh, as much money. So we're talking about from a ten thousand dollar investment to a twenty thousand dollar investment. Yeah. In like less than 48 hours, I signed up with the, with the other one, the more expensive one. Yeah. And they lost me because, and it wasn't and because, but they were so quick to get me into the sales call, be available to answer all of my questions mm. and, um, you know, give me the offer right away. And it was also, the offer was just perfect. I would have said yes to the other one had I not known about this, but, and they, that, that's the funny thing about it. This end of this, this other one I invested in was actually ended up being the better thing for me anyways. Right. So it all worked out. Yeah. Um, but I would have, it just would have never even been on my radar if the first company had let me buy sooner. This is such a valuable point that I guess we don't really, not many people talk about in the email marketing space, but it's so important in all of our business is understanding the customer journey or the, the buyer's journey and then the customer's journey. The buyer's journey, understanding that people may sit in different seats and be at different parts of the journey than somebody else that might join the email list and speaking to them and nurturing them in the way that they need to be nurtured versus the people that have just started wanting to dip their toes in and being able to encompass that throughout our emails and our copy at the same time and be able to give both of those people or the, I shouldn't say it's just two, but the multitude of different people in the different seats what they're after at the stage that they're in on their buyer's journey. How I've got some things that I use that I know that work quite well in my emails, which I'll share soon. But how do you how how do you see that you can instill that in your emails? Like you said, you nurture, but then you also sell. Are there other things as well that go into this? Yeah. So let me share a few things. So. Because I also just want to make it clear to people that, like, if you come out the gate with a hard sell from email <laughs> one, you're going to turn a lot of people off. Email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, there that was a that was a unique scenario, but it's just an example of how it can happen, right? Mm. But in, in most cases, like, say for example, you know, someone opts into a business email one, I want them to get just a, a brief introduction to the business, you know, like just because you don't, like you said, you don't know where they're at. Like they made a they might have just stumbled across your content on social media today and they signed up for this free thing. They might have been watching your stuff for a while. You just don't know which one they are. So 
I want to give them at least a brief intro just so they know like, you know, who we are, whether that's you as a person, as a business brand, whatever. Um, a quick little, you know, brief intro or um, some sort of segue about the thing that they just signed up to download. Um, and then a lot of times it's not, it's just a subtle thing. It could just be like a, like a little button down at the bottom or just like a little uh, section down at the bottom that just lets them know what products are available or what's available there, but you're not even talking about it yet. It's just, you know, you make it available. So if they're curious to look to, you know, look into it, they, you've at least not prevented them from having that opportunity. Then email two now I want to go deeper into the brand story. Now it's like, okay, I want to give them the why behind the business. Because for the person who needs, if they're really vetting you and they need more information uh, or they just are curious and they want to get to know more about your brand or about your service, you want to make that information available to them. Um, and then that one is where I'm going to introduce, like that's where we get into the core offering or the core collection or whatever, whatever uh, kind of the main thing is that people would be interested in once they have an idea of who you are and what you're all about. Then, uh, sorry, I know I'm going like email by email, but I'm going to get into a whole Locked other piece of how we break away. Yeah, because I think people like just having that framework will help people get started with a, an intro, like a welcome series. Uh, then the next two emails would be things like, it just depends on your business, but letting them know what kind of stuff you have as far as community building. So where your best social media is, if you have a Facebook community, um, if you have a forum or an app or whatever, uh, any of those kind of things, like let them figure out how to get more into your community where now they can start meeting other people. If you have that element, uh, that's definitely a great element. And then also in one of those email three or four, you wouldn't want to start sharing testimonials, reviews, things like that, social proof, um, that kind of stuff. So by the time they've gotten these first four emails, they've had the opportunity to buy, but now they've just learned a lot about like, you know, who you are, what you're all about, why you're legit, uh, how they can dig in deeper if they want to. And then let's just say they end that series and maybe they're getting some campaigns or maybe that moves them into another series. The way I start to differentiate people of who do I hard sell to versus who do I just kind of present the idea to is, um, is you can, I call this a, an offer series or a click series, you can, either way. And then the other one is called a deadline series. So the first one is like, let's just say I have an offer I want to present to these people. I might have a sequence of three to four emails that I'm going to use to present this to them. And in those three to four emails, I'm going to present this new offer, whether it's a new product, service, whatever it is. And I'm going to use more aspirational copy. So I'm going to be telling stories, um, you know, again, about them and their current situation, what they're dealing with, how things could be better. I mean, focusing on more of the positives of the benefits they will get if they sign up for this thing or buy this thing. And by the way, this thing could be a free thing. It could be, this could be a free offer into a free training. And then that free training ends up selling them on a paid thing. But so whatever it is, I'm not trying to jump into future steps. I'm selling them to this next thing. So if it's a webinar, I'm only focused on the webinar, not what comes at the end of the webinar. And if it's a product, then I am focused on the product because that's that's the end. It's right there. Now, the people who click on one of those emails, they leave that sequence and they move over to what I call the deadline sequence. This is where I start to actually be a little more salesy. Mm -hmm. Now, instead of only focusing on the benefits and the aspirational positive stuff, now we're starting to go a little bit more you know, uh, direct response starting to remind them of what they could potentially miss out on. 
and start maybe taking things away or maybe start mm. presenting free bonuses that they would get if they signed up now. But if they don't sign up now, they're going to miss out on those. And that's where you can do more of the salesy tactics. And the reason why I like to hold those back for those people is because if they've clicked through and checked this thing out, I know they're interested. All the people who didn't click at all, I don't really want to hammer them with a bunch of sales messaging because I'm just going to annoy them because they're not interested. I would rather just let them sit back and you know continue to stay on the list and maybe get other emails for a while until they show interest in something else and then start to be more salesy with them. So that's, that is my favorite thing for any type of business for how to present a new thing and then kind of you know decide who's going to get the more salesy stuff and how to separate them out. Poor guys, go and re-listen to that. There's so much in there. Uh, I can tell that you and I have learned a lot of uh, parallel strategies in email marketing because I have a lot of that instilled in my marketing okay. through in, in sequences and out of sequences, sequences being different email marketing campaigns based on people's level of intent. Like you said, somebody that's clicked on something showing more more intent to, to be closer along their journey to the purchasing purchasing phase coming back to being able to sell in your first email i really love what you said is like having some options down the bottom of like here's here's what we've got i have a in fact just a bit of advice or something to share with people listening is i have just the email signature and that says uh if you're interested to hear some other ways that i can help you and then i have a free thing at like a 30 dollar product and then membership and then like the high level things. And it's just like, you can choose your own route and people can go into those different routes of like, Oh, this is where I'm at. And I need this, which is so valuable. So you call that a welcome sequence. It can be like a branding sequence. I also like to set the expectation of what people are going to get in by being on my emails. So that sort of first couple of emails, like you said, like just beautiful the way you laid it out in terms of sharing some value, sharing what you have to offer down the bottom, but it's not really like a, a hard sell. And then also sharing like some stories, sharing some social proof. But what I really think is cool is if you set the expectation of like, now you're on the email list, super excited for you. I actually have a little gif of me doing like a dance in my email. Nice. <laughs> I use gifs and all these things just to keep engagement and fun. And I treat my email list like like Instagram, like social media, because I don't like Instagram, but I use it as though I... I put out stories and images throughout my email list on my daily emails, which we can get to. But I set the expectation of like, yeah, here's my socials and I'll, I'll be posting X amount of videos on YouTube, X amount of podcasts. And if you want to check out these, there they are. So you're just hounding them with expectations, welcome them in, showing them where they can get value and then showing them where they can buy products. And you're just got the perfect storm for them without making them feel like, oh, you want me to buy a $20,000 product as soon as I get on your email list. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to I touch on subject lines. I've got so much I don't want to touch on, but I want to touch on subject lines. What are some ways that you have tested and found that worked well with having great subject lines which create clicks and opens, I should say? Okay, I'm going to say something a lot of people don't like, and that is... In my experience, subject lines don't matter as much as people make them out to be. Whoa. What I, yeah. What I find to matter way more is the reputation of the person sending the emails. And mm. once you've earned their trust and you've got them engaged, you can get away with saying 
it doesn't matter as much what you say in the subject line. They're going to open because it's from you. Now that said, there are of course a lot of tricks you can use to get more clicks and get more opens and clicks, right? So short, punchy subject lines, um, curiosity driving subject lines, using their name, using emojis, these things work. You don't want to overuse you know, like lots of exclamation points in all caps, because if you go extreme in all your subject lines, it loses the potency. People are like, oh, you know, they just know you're exaggerating, right? So, mm-hmm. so you can do that stuff, but you really want to save that for those like really urgent, like it has to be truly urgent. Like, it has to be like, this is the deadline of something, the final deadline, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the easiest tricks are, again, like just using their name and I like to just really drive curiosity about, or maybe take like something that's kind of the end of the email. Like say, if you're doing, if you're doing a lot of uh, direct response style copywriting and you have your emails are a little bit longer, they're not just like the typical e-com thing where it's a, you know, a photo and a, a paragraph and a, maybe that might be only be two sentences and then, you know, a CTA button or something. Um, then tying in something where they have to get to the end of the email to understand what that subject line was about. And so if you're doing daily emails, like you say, that's a challenge from the person who's actually writing the emails to continue to come up with good content. And so I find that the relationship between the sender and the recipient is a lot different. Like they know you personally at that point because you're talking to them every single day. So you can say funny stuff in your subject lines or you can kind of hint at something that's towards the end of that email and they're going to start to figure out that's that's your style. That's how you like to do things. And it makes it fun for them because mm. it's kind of like a puzzle. It's like, what did he mean by that? And then they have to read the email to see the end of the story you told or something like that. I like, the, I like that you said it's like a puzzle because it's exactly the way I set them up. And I didn't realize that I set them up until I studied some more like hero's journey sort of things and, and stories and, and films and stuff like that. For example, I'll have a quirky subject line. I don't overuse names or emojis and stuff like that. Um, I reserve that stuff, obviously, for sales campaigns. Was like, hey guys, like, don't be fucking around here. Like, you've got to, if you want this deal, you've got to get in on it now. But I start an email out just like I would, just like a James Bond movie is started out in the thick of it. Somebody just got shot in the face and their tooth fell out. Right? Like that's mm-hmm. how I start my email. Like a shark attack email. It's like straight at the start, straight at the start, like my heart dropped when I saw that fin, right? That's how I start my emails. And then people have to go through the story and in the story is the value. And at the end of the email, it's like, and this is the how. Like if you want to learn how to do this or in your business or buy business, this is, this is the how. So it's cool to hear you talk about it because I do that without me understanding, like I understand a fair bit of it, but you saying it like a puzzle, it's like really, really resonates. Now, daily emails. I don't do daily emails anymore. I do, we do a fair few emails. I've slowed it down. But what's your take on how often people should be emailing? Because I've heard so many different strategies and opinions, and there's no right or wrong, of course. And I guess it's going to be dependent on the business. But what do you feel is a good way for people to find the sweet spot with their business in how many emails they send. There's a couple of ways you can measure, you can kind of measure this sweet spot. Um, and really it's to, at the most simple 
way is to just send as often as you can until your until your engagement metrics fall, until you fall below your desired open and click rates and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find is that a lot of uh, a lot of smaller businesses or businesses that have smaller lists, they kind of this is I guess one of the common problems. They tend to email too much. They're just getting a little bit ahead of themselves. They need to focus more on growing their list, and they're trying to do too much. And I get it because you're just trying, like a lot of times you're just trying to get as much uh, ROI as possible and email is an amazing sales channel and maybe you're not having traction with your ads or your content. So it's like, you're just trying to, you know, get everything you can out of it. And on the other end of the spectrum, I see a lot of bigger brands or, or, or businesses with big lists that don't email their list at all or near enough. It's like they might, they either are not emailing them regularly or it's, you know, not even... Uh, once a week. And it's like, you could be emailing, you could be emailing daily and you wouldn't even have to send to everyone in your list every time you could be using segmentation. So that's, and that's actually what I recommend. And it's going to be different for, you know, I think it's easier to do at scale with e-commerce because uh, it just depends on how many different offers you have. So how many different mm-hmm. things you have to talk about. But if you have a lot of different offers, especially if there are different price points and you've got a lot of people on your list that are at different stages of the journey, you can use segmentation to increase your uh, amount of email sends and you're not sending to everyone on your list. So that's the big problem that people get to. And that's actually the the challenging thing is sending emails to everyone on your list too often. That's really how people burn their list out. But, and I say that, but some people can pull off daily emails. It's just very difficult. I'm sure you saw whenever you were doing it, that the challenge of continuing to come up with interesting, compelling content every single day is kind of a grind unless you just really love it. And, you know, or unless you're selling something, you know, like if you're selling, I feel like selling, you know, um, digital marketing type of offers, those audiences are, are more receptive, especially if you tell a lot of personal stories and you're able to tie them into the thing that you're selling and you can make it interesting or you can, you know, use things that are happening in the news. If you sell anything related to, let's say finance, right? Every single day, there's new finance headlines. People cannot get enough. So if you're selling anything related to crypto or investing or, you know, tax services, there's an unlimited amount of financial news coming out. So now you've got something to talk about every day, but not every business has that. So that's where it gets very challenging. And I would say if it, if you can't keep them interesting, and you notice your engagement metrics are falling, you should probably back off the frequency. I like that. I like that testing the metrics and looking at the metrics and seeing what's working and what's not working rather than just trying to do it based on, I think this might work. The, the cool thing that I've heard about emailing every single day and why I was doing a lot of emails is because if people get frustrated and don't want to be on your list uh, because you're sending two emails, there may not necessarily be, and there's arguments on both sides, they may not necessarily be ready to buy or really care about your emails and your product that much. So they'll get off your list. And I'm all about not having a big email list. I think a big email email list is so damn stupid because you're just paying to host people on an email list that don't care about what you've got. And it's a waste of money. It's a waste of time. And it's really bad for your open rates and click-through rates. And people put up like, oh, we've got like, you know, 100,000 people on our email list. Cool. Good on you. Uh, how much money do you make from your email list? <laughs> uh, it's an ego metric, but mm. also on the other side. So I'm, I'm all about like trying to get people off my email list that don't want to be on there, which is why regular emails are good. But also I understand that sometimes people are like, hey, Jared, can you stop sending so many emails? 
and I have because like I like what you do, but I'm not yet ready to buy. But then I'm just having them stay on my email list anyway. And they're not, they, you know, eventually the more emails that you don't open, they're going to just slowly work their way off the list anyway and maybe go somewhere else. And if I've got competitors, they might go to the competitors, which is fine. I just didn't resonate with them. That's okay. They should, probably shouldn't have been on the list of the first in the first place. What are your thoughts on on that in, in having a, a big list and a condensed quality list and the regularity of, a, of, a, of emails being sent? So there's a couple of things there. So definitely quality over quantity for sure. Mm. A, a high quality list. I mean, a small list of warm, engaged, interested, capable of buying people, you're going to make so much more money than a huge list of people who just aren't that interested, um, aren't really even in the market anymore, but they just happen to be on your list still for whatever reason. Mm. So yeah, a lot of these a lot of these like older businesses that have been around and they've been collecting lists or emails for a long, long time, and maybe they haven't emailed very often. So they're not even giving people the opportunity to unsubscribe. So they just forget they're on there. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's really not much value. And like you said, they are paying for all those people and it does add up when you're using really good email software that that cost adds up a lot. Mm. Um, but to the other point though, it's, it's very interesting to me. Uh, when I meet people out in real life and they ask what I do and I tell them I have an email marketing agency and I explain to them what, you know, what we do. And they're like, the first thing they always tell me is how much they hate getting emails from companies. And I'm thinking, yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone says that. And then the next thing they say, and this, I mean, this literally happens like 99% of the time, but I always buy so much stuff from those emails. Like, <laughs> that, that's, what, that's the funny thing about it, right? So people complain to you about you emailing too much yeah, and they keep buying, <laughs> they keep buying yeah. from emails. So as business owners, of course, businesses are going to keep emailing. Uh, one thing I do though, so people who like actually reach out and complain, I just move them to a segment where I don't include them in, in the regular yeah. campaigns that go out. So they'll only be included in like the big, you know, holiday sales, the big product mm -hmm. launch, like, you know, the exciting, the new and exciting stuff, mm -hmm. but they're not going to get the, all the ongoing stuff. So that's a, that's a tactical thing. Anyone who's listening can do if they are getting those complaints where sometimes a lot of those people will, um, that you have, you got a range of everyone on your list. You've got people who are going to keep buying from you and they don't like to get your emails. You're going to have people who love to get your emails and they never buy. And you're going to have people who do a little bit of both. And it's like, you know, if they manually reach out, it's not difficult to kind of, you know, take care of them, especially if they are an, an actual customer and put them into one of those segments. Mm. Um, but otherwise, you know, if you make it very easy for people to unsubscribe, then it's like you said, it, it kind of is a, it's good for you and them. If they, if they're tired of getting your emails, if they just kind of see themselves out, because then the people who do like getting your more frequent emails can keep getting them. And you're not just holding back just for the sake of the, the vocal minority. Yeah. Yeah. Customer retention. So You've, you've mentioned somewhere in your copy that you you help people increase customer retention with email marketing. So that's people that are already customers. Tell me more about this because this is very, very interesting to me. I want to know how, like, how is that done? So uh, we primarily work with e-commerce businesses these days. So okay. uh, it's, it's going to be different for different industries. But um, there's a couple of things that are really useful. So for a lot of businesses or really every business, but uh, you got to find a number of how many purchases does that person need to make before they become 
a loyal lifetime customer. And so for a lot of e-com businesses, the magic number is three. Once they get to that third purchase, you're in, especially if you have a consumable product, you mm. are now part of their monthly grocery bill or their, you know, they're buying product, product every- whatever. Yeah. They're going to keep buying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And once you can, you know, so then, so part of it is in setting up those email automations, having incentives set up to get them into the first purchase, the second purchase and the third purchase. They don't always have to be um, coupons. They're, they don't always have to be, sorry, discounts. It could be things like um, offering free shipping, maybe free upgrades to your order, um, maybe giving them early access to things, like just kind of making the experience feel a little better. Mm. And also just being thoughtful in, looking at their past purchase history and having automation set up that would recommend them to things that people who buy that like this other product. So that's one side is just already having automations in place that you can continue to check in on those analytics and continue to update, you know, do AB testing to update those uh, to keep that machine running and, and improving and getting people into that, whatever you define as like, we like to get people into a VIP segment, basically. We try mm. to work them up into that. Another part of this is a rewards program. So, I mean, rewards program, a lot of companies kind of neglect this and it's very popular with e-commerce buyers these days. A lot of, there's a lot of research that shows that there are, there's a certain portion of buyers, and these happen to be the buyers who like to spend a lot, who that's one of their criteria for choosing to do business with a brand is, is their rewards program. They will actually, if two brands are selling kind of similar products, they'll go with the brand that has the better rewards program because some of these people who that's, what's good for the business owner as uh, an e-com business owner is a lot of these consumers and they like to they just love getting Amazon packages coming to their house every day or getting, you know, whatever Shopify, you know, whatever business is on Shopify. So the rewards program combined with those flows is what we've seen to work really, really well. And having fun incentives in your rewards program where they're getting rewards for, of course, getting rewards for their purchases, uh, getting rewards for liking you, liking your pages on social media. I like to really give good reward incentives for them leaving reviews. And especially if they leave photos with their reviews, because now, now you can use those reviews in the UGC that they upload into your email campaigns, which helps you get more sales and also just helps create community because people are seeing other people. Mm. You, you know, they, they start to kind of like, oh, that person looks like me or that photo inside their house. They, they you know, their kitchen looks kind of like my kitchen and that resonates with people. Um, so doing those two things and also having tiers to that rewards program. So as that way, the people who are becoming better customers are always being shown extra love. So again, for example, in the post-purchase flows, when someone makes their first purchase, they get one version of that email. When they mm -hmm. get the second purchase, we're showing them even more love. And whenever they get to that third purchase, now we're celebrating them. So like, that's another part of it. It's just making sure that as they become a better customer, they actually feel like they're a better customer and they feel like they're getting better treatment because they are getting better treatment. And so doing all those things in combination, that's what gets people on you. What's cool is that sometimes I'll be in the Facebook groups of the businesses that we work with and seeing people talk about the emails and seeing people like talk about how, oh, you know, like basically kind of like doing the thing where they complain, but they're having fun with how much money they spend with the brand, you know, and yeah. like, oh, take, you know, shut up and take my money or like, <laughs> oh, I had to justify, you know, buying another blah, 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 whatever. Uh, but seeing that people are having fun and actually like, you know, and they're having fun together, continuing to buy more and more products. Mm. It's just a, it's kind of a full circle thing of um, making it fun to stick around and to be a long-term customer.
So cool. I like the idea of, and we do it a lot, is just focusing on people that are already interested, focusing on people that are already bought and just over-delivering and it increases customer lifetime value, customer retention. And that's where the real, like the real people would think, all right, cool. I might be leaving money on the table if I'm not doing that, but that's cool. Like money's cool there and you can make more money by focusing on that. But what you're really doing is you're helping people have a better life with your products and your services. And that's where the real value for them comes in, where they've become hooked as like, whatever you guys do, it's going to make my life better. Whatever product you bring out, it's going to make my life better. And that's where the real value is in business that I see. So yeah, Kyle, thanks for just coming on and dropping some bombs. It's been so fun to chat. Where can we send people to check out more about what you're doing? Oh yeah, you can find me anywhere at Elevate and Scale. My YouTube channel is where I'm putting out the most content right now. Bring it on. Check out his YouTube channel, guys. We'll put links to all of that in the show notes. Everybody that is listening, thank you for listening. If you know somebody that has an online business, make sure you share this podcast episode with them. Selfishly, it helps Kyle and myself get more, get in front of more people and help more people. But you're going to be helping that person that has a business understand more about email marketing, which is going to help them help more people as well. So thanks for listening, guys, and I'll speak to you soon.